Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brandon, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello there, Mr. Brandon. Hello there, Matt. Hello and welcome. Welcome, dear listener. Welcome to another episode, the 15th episode in season three. The difficult Ooh. season three. The difficult yes. third season. The difficult third season. Arguably, yeah. though, you know. The best, actually, I was going to say the best things come in threes, but the third is never always the best one. Like wow. Back to the Future three, Alien three, Alien three, yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Although that one's got Samuel L. Jackson in, that's the one where they. The thing I always yeah. remember about Die Hard with a Vengeance was there is a trilogy of Die Hard games that came out for the PlayStation yeah. One. It was great, wasn't it? And the third and one, you were it was like a first person driving game. Yeah, that's and, right, and that was good. You drove the taxi in the third one. The second one was a first-person shooter, and you needed the PS1. It was called PS1 back then, was it? It was just called PlayStation, the light gun. And the other game was an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then they made two more. What was it? What did we have? Die Hard 4.0, which was called Live Free Die Hard, I think, in America. Yeah. yeah. And 4.0 over here and A Good Day to Die Hard. Good Day to Die Hard. And, of, of course, the sad and tragic news that uh, Bruce Willis has retired from acting. We don't get we don't get a sixth one. No. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I couldn't believe that he's been in eight films in the last 12 months, oh, he, all that, of that which have come out on, on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was just, he was just in everything. There was always, there's always something on prime or Netflix or somewhere like that, where it's like, Oh, Bruce, he was never, you know, he stopped starring in things and was just always random bit parts that sort of bolstered otherwise sort of average, often cop movies. Mm. Yeah. He did, he did a lot of that. But, you know, the, for being so prolific, he did a lot of great stuff. There were fantastic movies in there. I mean, I think, like, the most recent, like, really good film he did was probably Looper. Oh, that is um, that is a superb movie. Well, Absolutely just superb. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, doing the best Bruce Willis mannerisms ever. Yeah, he yeah with that. absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, no spoilers, but if you're into sci-fi and 
time-bending movies. It's very that good. That is an absolute must-watch. Very good indeed. Um, I must welcome Anton Fryant, who joins us. On, uh, uh, well, he's, he's not here. I always do this, and, and then I'm like, no, it's, I don't mean now. You're not on, Anton. You're still just listening. I don't like <laughs> talk or anything. But yes, uh, Anton has joined the Patreon top tier. Welcome, Anton. Welcome to the club. Absolute solid name, Anton. Yeah, it is a good name, isn't it? Absolute solid. It is solid a, name. That is a solid name. And and this week, Matt, we, we got into the top 50 in the uh, Guitar Nerds, got into the top 50 in the Australian hobbies podcast chart which is a, a first for us i think so yeah. bloody lootly we've now just dropped out of the uh, top 50 uh well, that's amazing you know if anyone okay. wants to pay for us to fly to australia for a good time um oh, i don't then... want to do that <laughs> um so yeah well, that's cool that's cool. Oh, there you go. There you go. But yes, we both, I'll tell you what, Matt, this week we've both just got back just in the nick of time to do this podcast because uh, you've been, uh, I've, uh, you've been away in, uh, in, in Norfolk, Norfolk, Suffolk, Suffolk, Suffolk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. You've been away in Suffolk, uh, with family and, uh, and I've been, I've been at a festival, uh, with with uh, fellow podcast host Naomi, I've been at Strange Forms Festival, so we're, we're going to talk about both those things because, of course, I I got to see loads of cool gear. My band played. Some bad stuff happened. Some good stuff happened. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk all about that as well. And uh, Matt, you've done a lot this week as well. We're going to talk about like amps you're after, amps you've bought, gigs that you've seen, things like that. All with an air on gear. And there've been some great releases this week. Some I didn't even realise until just now when you came on the podcast and we're like, you should have checked this out. And I was like, oh, it doesn't look like anything. You put it out. It was a very cool thing. So mm. I'm excited. We've got some cool things to talk about. Indeed. Let's start with uh, let's start with you. What do you want to talk about? Should we talk about the gear that you've got you've got some new gear yes well i tell you what joe maybe we should give out a uh, give a shout out to a rather handsome man in america who's very kindly supplied some you know as we always try to improve the uh the podcast uh-huh. has uh, very kindly uh, supplied some lewitt lct 440 oh. microphones the uh the essence of a true condenser microphone uh for the podcast so hopefully we're sounding um extra awesome yes uh, on this podcast so uh, yeah i've just i've just popped it on and actually you know i've uh, having only spoken into it for five minutes it it does feel like when i put it in the shock (laughs) mount i'm like this is a microphone that makes me want to go and record because it just looks so damn good they are they are very good so so friend of the podcast dan pilver has sorted out guitars with some lewitt microphones which we are going to be talking about and i think our future podcast we're going to be we're going to be using lewitt microphones because they seem like a great all-in-one solution you know for podcasting and recording and everything i actually because i've literally just got through the door i'm still on my old mic um you 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 have updated i i I came back in i've been away all weekend there was a uh my neighbor had taken in a box for me and i've just opened it up just before we podcast it's full of boxes that say lewis and a t-shirt which is lovely so i'm gonna have a little look through those but you've had time matt you've actually got yours plugged in and set up i have so you can a be the difference between myself and joe branton um (laughs) but yeah no a solid quality great shock mount obviously great for recording in lots of different ways i like the pop shield for all the uh what's what's the uh the word for all the the p's and the uh, is it s-sing s-ing is your i don't know your, s- 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 your percussive yeah. sounds um but yeah. yeah no really really solid microphone i'm sure we'll we'll learn and talk a little bit more about them maybe in the coming weeks but uh so far 
I like talking into it, and that's a good oh, thing. Go. Um, but anyway, we should talk about other other new gear. Uh, yes. So, mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm going through a temporary downsizing which is uh, frightening i know you know in all the time i've known you you've only ever upsized you only ever upsize exactly um this is because uh we want to move house at some point in the very near future and we realized that if a photographer comes around to take uh pictures of our house for a uh kind of estate agent that it would look like our house is very small because there is much yeah. stuff. There's basically uh, where where your rig lives in your bedroom basically means that there's enough room for the bed and then all of your rig. Yes, exactly. So, um, and it's amazing because I did find a picture from. <laughs> maybe I should post this on 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 Facebook. Um, but I found a picture of when I set up my. So cast your minds back to February 2020. The world seemed so happy, and then everyone got shut inside for a very long time. And about a week before that happened, I bought a new desk. So I was like, right, I'm going to work from home more. This was pre-pandemic. I was like, right, I'm going to work from home more. And I bought a new desk, and I've got it set up and everything. And I've got a picture of it then and how bland and empty it looks compared to the amount of stuff that i've accumulated in the last two (laughs) years alone um but this actually this idea has been going around in my head for a while so i wanted to to downsize but also at the same time was still playing around with sounds at home and we spoke about zilla cabs a lot best cabs you can buy absolutely you've had a lot of them as well in in i have had a lot of them in fact the only cabs i've owned for the last 10 years have been zilla cabs most of which have been uh custom made to my ridiculous requests um but currently i use a i've got the kind of their mini stack which is two kind of condensed 112s in a kind of uh looks like a yeah well a mini stack and then uh i've got their 
I think they call it the Fat Boy, which is like a 112, but it's uh, vertical, uh, which has got a kind of oval-shaped open back. So it's kind oh, of... lovely. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the open back cabs, I think we spoke about it a while ago, but especially for home use, just a little bit more airy and open. If you're at home and you've got a kind of small practice room or anything like that, one one by 12 closed back cabs are like super directional um you know they they don't just let any of the bottom end and air out the back <clears throat> so for ages i've been kind of going you know when you have a rig and you're like oh it sounds great and then you plug it in and you're like i don't like it and then you plug it in again and you're like it oh, sounds great and i'm sure there's just you know your ears on different days but i'm like these cabs definitely don't match they're both they've both right. got 112s in tried loads of different speakers loads of different combinations of different cabs and stuff like that i'm like they just i just don't like the way that those two cabs sound together individually i can kind of get them the mini stack i've got to say is great but would be better if you were gonna use it live or recording because it's just those cabs are so directional and if you're in a small room yeah. that top one is just it just overpowers the bottom one almost because it's just much more at like head height i see um so i've been thinking about one cab for two amps and splitting Ooh. the speaker input and then last friday um that was exactly the video that that pedal show did and i was like when i talk about that on the podcast it's going to seem like i've just copied their idea <laughs> literally great minds think alike so i went out and started hunting around on reverb and ebay for a 2x12 cab I always search zilla first because there's you know there's a few that come up second hand and then the problem with cabs is they are heavy and bulky and no one wants to ship things anymore yeah. um I never have a problem shipping anything sort of big. No, I, think I don't know it, why people don't offer. It's so weird. You know, collection only in 2022. Like, <clears throat> get a box. They're, they're well, quite I mean, easy not even get. that. I just, I bubble wrap it and then black wrap it. I'm like, I think that's fine. You yeah. know, I think if you bubble wrap it enough, it's just like, you know, spend a tenner on bubble wraps, like whatever, as long as it gets there safe. Um, but anyway, so it just so happened that one day, not so long after searching, uh, someone in London, collection only, was selling a Zilla 2x12, but they called it, I think they actually call it now the Big Block. Right. And I don't think it had a name at that point because it's got the old Zilla logo, so it's probably about three or four years old. And it's a 2x12 with diagonal speakers. Oh, I so like it's the like sound of it's this. like a mini 4x12 if you see what I mean. So you've got one bottom left and one top, top right. And I was like, the back plates are, as far as I can tell, are universal. So what I thought was that I can, I've got a back plate, which has got two inputs on just wire two speakers in separately. And then you can just sit two heads on top of it and then run a head into each speaker. And I I love this idea. And then I just thought, you know, that would be a great way because I run wet dry. So I send, you know, uh, everything up to the end of the drive pedals into one amp and then everything including delays and reverbs into another and i was like from one cab it will sound much more unified but running wet dry you just get a little bit more definition it means you can run reverbs and delays a bit 
Um, this is such wetter. a good idea. It's such an easy mod. It's not something I've ever really considered doing unless I was, you know, getting someone to make it for me like that. But that is, mm. that, that sounds really straight, a straightforward thing for anyone to do to any cab. Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it, it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Yeah, and that, and that's what um, they did on uh, Mickey Dandit on that pedal show. There's a sort of ah, 80s Mesa Boogie vertical cab. And I used to have one of those, and they're really good cabs. Um and I just thought that's going to be a better way of getting the same sound out of one cab, but yeah. doing the wet dry thing that I want with the two amps that I want. And then I thought rather than, uh, well, the cab is actually preloaded with speakers. So I'm like, well, I don't really need the speakers. And I was like, oh, well, because they're matching, I'll put two, it's, it's got, it's loaded with two uh, cream backs. Right. So I'll put the cream backs in the mini stack and, store it away safely in our loft or attic uh, for those American listeners until we move house and we've got more space. And then I've got a stack with matching speakers in and uh, my other uh, 112, I will um, leave to one side and I'll just run this 212 for a while because I always sell cabs. And to be honest, cabs don't have a lot of secondhand value. And I just thought, you just sell it, you'll make no money. And then, you know, two years later or whatever you'd be like oh, i really could do with this one by 12 cab or whatever so i just thought i'll, I'll stick uh you know i'll stick them up in the attic or something yeah if you've got the room to store them why not so uh so yeah that's that's the interesting experiment that's happening this week i am collecting i am oh, you're collecting it i'm collecting well i i got when he said where he was in london i got confused and thought it was forest hill which is around the corner for me and he's like no forest, forest gate which is uh, like stratford it's like super east oh, basically no. <laughs> not in london <laughs> yeah. uh, it's about a 50 minute drive and i was like look i will just send an uber to your house and just put it in an uber and uh 
she did it that way and he was like that's fine um he's like oh what if they steal it i'm like i can't see an uber driver being like i'm going to steal this heavy piece of wooden box that seemingly <laughs> has zero value and i'm being tracked via an app um so uh so yeah i'm gonna well, welcome it. to 2022 yeah exactly so um so yeah that's the interesting experiment that's going on this week so i'm for- excited what heads are gonna run well, into this then so my i love obviously the morgan pr12 which we spoke about before uh you know the sort of souped up princeton and then yeah. the other head that i've been using a lot is the olsen uh, Little Hill 20, uh, which I picked up a couple of years ago now, I think. Yeah, probably pre-pandemic. Yeah. And it's 20 watts, but it's super loud. And it's it's almost like zero loads. And it just gets louder. For 20 watts, it's, it's amazing. Right. And then I had this bizarre, you know, sometimes, I'm sure you've had these, Joe, these bizarre gear thoughts in your mind. You're like, I should try that. I've just, and I was like, I remember that... Um, it's not a new thing, but JHS uh, launched a thing called the Little Black Box. And people have done it before, but effectively it's just a volume pot that goes in a serial effects loop. Oh, yes. So I, you I can know. obviously turn the preamp down, then obviously you can turn the master up, or you can turn the amp up and then you know use that to control your... It's like, a sec- it's like an attenuator, but it's not actually attenuating the sound going from power amp to speaker it's preamp to power amp and uh then i was like hold on the olsen's got a send level and a return level on the effects loop and i was like what if i just put a patch lead between those two and then just turn it on and then just use that to adjust the level and then i was like and that works and it works perfectly oh, that's awesome. so now i can crank the amp harder and actually just get the power amp working a little bit, but then just turn down the volume, and it sounds a million times better for home use. That's very cool. So That's um, exactly what you want. You want to be able to get the most out of that power amp without actually, you know, annoying your neighbours. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, and that, they're the two amps that I'm going to run, and speaker-wise, we'll, we'll mix and match and, and see. So I'm running an EV12L, which is like a mm-hmm. huge 200-watt, you know, there's just all the bottom end and all the power in that speaker. And then I've got... Well, a... What do you like about that? You know, just it's, it's quite an unusual choice to um, go for something so high-powered. It's just got... It's just got all the headroom and all the right. all the cl- all the clean, should we say. Um, because 200 watts, you just can't drive it hard enough. Right. You know, you can't... You can't almost work it too hard. It's just like it keeps, keeps on taking what you give it. Um, and then I've got a Celestian Redback, which is a kind of similar powered speaker. Uh, and they sound, you know, good individually and they kind of match. But obviously, again, these cabs sound very different. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to try putting both of those in. But if that doesn't work, I'm, I'm going to stump up and buy another EV speaker. Now, they are <laughs> weighty. So this 212 with two EVs will be about 60 pounds. It will be Ooh. about a two-man lift. That I'm is, sure. yeah, that's... A- but then it's all right because it's not going to go anywhere. Um, so yeah so that's, through your floor yeah apart from yeah through the uh, 110 year old uh, floor into the flat below so uh, yeah that's that's kind of uh, 
that's my my this gear adventure I'm, at the moment. I'm, I'm excited about this. A new era of Matt Knight making pint-sized rigs that mm. are going to do the same thing. I mean, this is it. I think so many people are starting to do this. Certainly, this is what Polymath have been looking at. Like, how can we... I mean, part of that was because our van is overweight as a five-piece with a sax player and a keyboard player who plays like three keyboards. But it's like, how can we <laughs> downsize our setup without sacrificing uh, versatility and obviously tone? Um, and it's just, yeah, it's this. This sounds like a, a great solution for you for doing this. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed at how many cabs are for sale. Like, obviously, the amount of people switching to plugins or yeah. using load boxes, and you know, again, I think if I had really good monitors, like really, you know, really nice monitors, um, I think maybe it would make a difference. But I'm just, I don't play enough to kind of go i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna have well i guess as well if you're running two amps you kind yeah. of need two ox boxes or was a tube amp expanders or or otherwise and i'm just like ah it's just it, it's a it's a step beyond what i'm ever going to use it for right um yeah. and, and my hope is that you know if we can move house in the future that i'd have somewhere where you know i'll be able to stick a mic in front of something and do it the old school way um but yeah, I mean, so many people now, obviously, just switching to. I mean, you know, having launched, you know, Boss having launched the GX100 and giving it yeah. to all these people and seeing the sounds they're getting plugged straight in over USB, you're like, yeah, if you're into recording guitar and, you know, you've got a few licks under your belt and you know what you're doing in terms of a DAW, it just sounds just as good as anything else out there, I, I, realistically. Hello and welcome back to One Hot Minute, the segment where each week I take a minute of your podcast listing time to demo a piece of gear that I'm excited about. This week I'm checking out another new update from KMA, the Fuzzly Bear 2, a wonderfully versatile silicon fuzz pedal. I love a sputtery fuzz and the Fuzzly Bear does a fantastic job of what I think is probably the best type of fuzz tone. The Fuzzly Bear was in fact KMA's first pedal back in 2013. The updated Fuzzly Bear 2 sees a new chassis with top-mounted jacks, very convenient, and a refined tone. Simple controls, volume and gain, but the addition of a bias control, which is what makes this pedal stand apart from other silicon fuzzes. The bias control allows you to slip between a super skinny sounding brittle fuzz and a big farty gated sputter that I absolutely love. In this sound clip I'm using the Fuzzly Bear 2 with the gain and bias fully clockwise for some wonderful fatness.
you have it, the KMA Machines Fuzzly Bear 2. A silicon fuzz with a real character and a signature sound. Check it out at kma-machines.com. I agree, stuff is undeniably changing. And I think it, it, you don't need, even need to go as far as plugins as smaller amps are, are getting better. I think the need for bigger amps are, is getting less. Like you, on... Um, on on Friday, um, uh, Polymath played a, a show in in Leicester on our way up to playing the festival that I'm going to talk about. We played in Firebug at Leicester, and uh, we were being supported by this fantastic band called Mountain Caller. In fact, Claire, the uh, the guitarist in Mountain Caller, they're a three piece. Um, uh, she she had an, an article I think in Guitarist recently about her orange rig. She's very uh, she's very. Uh, Tony Iommi on steroids, you know, with That's sort cool. of tonally and, and characterfully in the way she plays as well. The, the band have that kind of feel as well, a sort of instrumental Sabbath-esque, sludgy, slow riffs, but, you know, that the just kind of you know, re- just really great riffs that keep you interested as well. She plays this lovely silverburst Telecaster with a pair of... Um, a pair of bare knuckle war pigs, old war pigs from the first time they oh, that's they, cool. they made that range. Very cool sounding guitar. She's I've I've gone off on, about her guitar now. I want to talk about the cab sound, but the guitar was amazing. Like a, a silver burst seventy style telly with those two pickups in. I thought it was great, but it's like you you've you've turned it's it's. It's so Gibson, you know the the seventies telly. Anyway, that seventy style with the. Two humbuckers, the plate, the four controls, you know, two volumes, two tones, even the three-way selector being on the top horn. Like, it's a very Gibson instrument, isn't it? I just thought it was really funny that her tone seems to so much more support a Gibson sound, and she's altered the telly to, to be there. Even the finished Silverburst is such a kind of a, a Gibson, a Gibson-esque mm. thing. But it was, it was lovely. So I love all her tonal choices. Great, simple pendle board. Anyway, I'll talk about the amp because... Um, we we got in touch with them sort of the day before being like, you know, hi, you haven't really got in touch with us about Gearshare. We just wanted to know what you what you needed. And they they were like, yeah, you know, sort of standard drum shells, bass cabs, guitar cabs. Mm-hmm. Of course, our, our guitarist Tim plays combos, which is kind of why we always make sure we reach out to bands in advance if they don't get in touch with us before a gig. Not only that, it's also... Uh... I mean, is, is Tim still using katanas as well? Or yeah, he still uses so katanas, like, yeah. Yeah, do you want to borrow some gear? It's like, what, what are you using? Oh, Marshall, four head and four by twelve. It's like, no, two, two katanas. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. But, but you know, she, she plays through, um, she plays through an orange rocker verb as her, her standard rig mm-hmm. um, with a 412. And so, you know, we said, well, we've got the, obviously you're welcome to the Katanas, but I appreciate it's a, it's a world of difference, you know, between what you normally play. And she said, don't worry, I can probably get hold of a 112. And she was like, and I guess, I guess a 112 would be okay for Firebug. Firebug's about a 250 cap. And it was like, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I thought it was such um almost dated thinking that, that she thought, you know, she'd need a 412 for mm. anything like that. It was like, of course, a 112 is fine for a stadium since PAs have existed. You know, it's, uh, it's, we've, we're past this period where a 412 is something that you need for a gig. Yeah. And in fact, really, I, I hardly see any of them anymore ever at the sort of gigs I go to. I'm not sure I could name another guitarist in the sort of 
scenes that I move in, which are, you know, 100 to 300-ish cap venues. Mm. I'm not sure I could name another well, player that I know that uses a 412. It's funny because um, for those of you who listen to podcasts who follow Rabia, Rabia Masad, he just recently purchased two X. Oh, yes. The two yeah, X architect yeah. owned uh, Meta Boogie oversized 412s. They're just like monster cabs in their own flight cases. I'm like, must have some pretty serious gigs planned because. <laughs> you know that is uh that is a beefy setup i'm guessing he's using his two uh super krakens with that as well and uh yeah yeah at least that guy's still going out and doing some uh yeah absolute sure classic. i guess there's you, you're right there's a time and a place for a 412 <laughs> but they're very much those sort of metal players uh, are almost the last bastion of 412 users whilst also i think that genre is responsible for people moving more and more onto digital stuff you know mm. helix neural you know, all of those things. It's it's just funny that I I guess metal is kind of responsible now for the two extremes. Big amps and no amps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's 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 funny, isn't it? Just the amount of gear and, and options. But then again, I guess if you want to and you can go around with a four twelve and Yeah. Blow people away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, this uh, you know, on, on this tour for me, I I've moved to a pair of Ashdown uh one uh, ABM one twelve Neos, so super lightweight single twelve base cabs. They've got a nice little handle in the top. But the fact that I can just pick up two of them, I guess I don't know, maybe as a as a guitarist that doesn't seem weird. But the fact that I, I can pick up two and carry around these two twelves, every these two one twelves, every time we're unloading the van, whoever happens to pick those up is like, oh, this is great. Like in comparison to the two man lift base cabs that I've been touring until until now. Mm. Um and it's funny how even like loading into the van is we've got more space now because I'm I'm using more cabs. I used to just use one big oversized 15. And yeah. even though it's two cabs, because they're more modular, it's easier to pack in. It's, it's just a, a complete improvement in, in every single way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just quickly talking of Ashdown cabs, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about it. But I- Yes, let's talk about this gig. Yeah, because I because I uh, saw uh, Nick Mason's Source Full of Secrets. So Nick Mason, the original drummer uh, in Pink Floyd, played in every iteration of Pink Floyd since 1964. Uh, yeah, played at the uh, the wonderful Ipswich Regent last night with um, a few people that I know, uh, and you know as well, Joe Branton, Mr. Guy Pratt, absolutely legendary bass player, and mm. his bass rig looks so cool uh so he's using and you'll correct me if i if i'm wrong here the cl310 dh but they look like pa cabs like old pa speakers guitar nerds are teaming up with music nomad and i I really think nerds you need to check out musicnomadcare.com we've spoken about all their wonderful guitar maintenance products on the podcast and, and i really can't emphasize how important it is to look after your gear and how easy music nomad make that for you with things like their their how-to advice center and their setup hub Music Nomad have been around for a little over 10 years and in that time they've become one of the most recognised brands for guitar tech gear. They're available worldwide in every guitar store you can think to name and it's for a good reason. All their products are professional grade quality. Every tool and even the cases the tools come in are designed for proper, rugged, on-the-road use. 
make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad as they are redefining and raising the bar for equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com or follow them on social media with at musicnomadcare. They are, so what those are is, yeah, they are based on the old WEM style PA speakers. So they've got a visible horn in the top and then three vertical 10 inch speakers. So they're, they're very slim, they're tall, and you can have two side by side and have a head on top. So he has his um, Ashdown Interstellar head, his signature head, which is very much the head is designed to look like an old PA style thing, like a, a sort of Selma treble and bass style look to it with you know, just a big flat panel and like a large control knob in the middle. Um, but it's, it's a great looking rig, isn't it? It is His on stage also, as well. With those two his, VU meters, it looks so good. Yeah, it's very cool. His also has um, the Wem style grill cloth. He wanted he wanted Wem grill cloth mm. on his. So yeah, he's he's had that. You get normal like red grill, like a deep red grill on, on the standard uh, 310. But yeah, his has that lovely Wem cloth. It, it it looks great. It's a great looking rig. Yeah, and actually, I've just noticed on the back. I was just having a look at the pictures, and then on the back, um, well, there's two things that are fantastic. One is his signature, and then in in uh, in quotation marks, it says, "Why do you want my autograph?" Question <laughs> mark. Um, <laughs> and then uh, there's also an input on the back that says Taurus input. And yes. the reason is that he uses an old Moog Taurus uh, foot pedal bass synthesizer, uh, which I'm assuming plugs directly into the back at the same time his bass yes. plugs in. Or does he That's have right. he has two heads on stage? I couldn't tell if one was a spare or one ca- one head was driving two cabs and then, yeah, one on top was a spare. I'm, or- I'm pretty sure one's a spare, yeah. And then he runs it all through one amp head because that's, that's what he wanted to do. That was all part of the design, I think, of the Interstellar 600. Right. So do you know if the Taurus input bypasses all of the preamps and stuff inside goes direct into the power amp? Do you know? I th- I think what it does is bypasses... Yeah, it bypasses some stuff. I think the idea is he didn't want the Taurus hitting the drive function of the amplifier. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of how it's wired up inside to do mm-hmm. that. I think there might be some padding as well on there, on that input. But uh, I don't know exactly what he went for. But right. yeah, it's it's so ridiculously specific. I was kind of a bit like when Ashdown showed it to me, I was like, why have we put this on the commercially available one <laughs> you know it's almost a waste like who, well, who else is doing this other than guy pratt i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who would rather have his uh his um his exact sound and i mean yes, that set was yes. that set was great i mean you know if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth uh watching i think they're doing nine weeks of europe uh they're doing another nine weeks in the u.s um and it's you know it's pink floyd from 1964 to you know echoes which is what 1973 uh on the metal album so it's all really early stuff and you know he's playing he was playing a p bass playing like a cream p bass yeah he has a couple of p basses butterscotch p bass and then he was Uh playing a sunburst rickenbacker and obviously yeah Yeah. because early roger waters is uh you know, much more Rickenbacker, and then mm. the later Roger Waters is um, obviously P bass, yeah, and obviously he's yeah. got his own signature sound and style, and that's the great thing about doing that. You know, they're not doing it exactly. You know, they're adding extra bits in and, and extra stuff, 
Um, but yeah, fantastic sort of all round. I, I love the show. sound. Yeah, I, I, I bet. I mean, I've only seen sort of live performances on YouTube. And dear listener, I thoroughly recommend you checking out any of the Source of Blood Secrets live videos. I think Guy Pratt's tone and everything on that record is is really specific because he kind of leads that band. He sort of half fronts it. Mm. And the certainly Pink Floyd around them was so much more aggressive, so much more punk to their to their tone. And the Rickenbacker 4003 or 4001 at the time was such a raucous clangy rough around the edges mm. instrument and that with you know kind of coupled with that the interstellar head which i really think guy pratt is very much designed around this rather than i wouldn't be surprised if when he's doing pink floyd stuff he still uses his other abm heads just because he wanted the interstellar to actually be very hairy the drive control mm. on there which which i don't think he uses foot controllable i think he just has it on yeah it's um, um... I thought it was interesting there you saying sort of like that sort of punky sort of sound because they were they you know they they stopped and talked a little bit in between songs and uh, Gary Kemp who's the other guitar player was sort of like you know that they were sort of almost some of the things you hear and especially some of like Sid Barrett's guitar playing especially on things like Interstellar Overdrive where it's you know kind of overdriven amps and early fuzz pedals and it's really like you know, sloppy's not the right word, but it's not like the technical prowess of Eddie Van Halen only like 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, they're totally like forerunners of like th- that real kind of like crazy early psychedelic. Yeah, almost like punk in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I think and the of, bass is really of reflective you've, of that. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you've named there the song that is the name behind uh guy pratt's head yes it's called yeah. the interstellar because of interstellar overdrive um so uh yeah it was it was a, a great gig i mean guitar sounds as well amazing um which sort of what does gary kemp play for it does he play a telly because he's more of a strat he man, plays he? a telly and a strat so i think he plays right. a lot of the strat stuff so obviously pink floyd especially in that early point you've got sid barrett for i mean and you've as a side note, you always forget that bands had at that point, you know, bands like the Beatles and other bands in the sixties had singles and albums and the singles never appeared on the album a lot of the time. Um, So obviously you had a lot of songs that were perhaps pre Piper at the gates of dawn, which is the first record. And then by the time they came round to um, source full of secrets, which is the second record. Is that what it's called? Is that is it? Uh-huh. Um, he sort of left. He only wrote, and Sid Barrett only wrote one track on that album. Roger Waters had written the most, most of the rest of the album, and obviously David Gilmore came in. There was a short point when they were they were a five piece. So obviously some of the earlier stuff, you're their Sid Barrett playing style, and then you've got some of the uh, um, some of the sort of early Gilmore uh, playing style. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Lee Harris, who's one of the the guitar players. Uh, he had a Strat, a Tele, and all of them were in like gold sparkle, like a, a kind of um, <laughs> like a not a really thick flake gold sparkle, sort of almost more just like a champagne like gold. But he had a, a Strat, a Tele with a big V, and then he had a uh, Albert Lee oh, in yeah. gold. Oh, very with, nice. Which I think had three P90s in it. Um, and it just looked amazing. It looked so cool. And it just, I was like, totally like, oh, God, buy an Albert Lee. God, buy an Albert <laughs> Lee. They're it's so good. It's still the coolest one. It's still it the really coolest is. music man I, guitar. Um, I always remember 
years ago, Strings and Things, I think it's because they discontinued that one left, which was the Albert Lee HH with the solid rosewood neck. It just sounded so good and it just didn't have any money at the time. And they just never come up, never come up. And I'm like, that to me is the best, the best version they've done. Um, and I was just like, oh, I just want an Albert Lee. So, yeah, so it's, it's so good. It's so good. I was, I was always like, um, I felt, and I don't know if it's, if it's still the case, but I felt, and just actually as a caveat to this, you disagree with me on this point that I'm about to make that I haven't made yet. Um, I always felt there was a gulf between the Sterling by Music Man and, and Music Man when it came to quality. And that's why I never went for a, an Albert Lee because I didn't want to drop two and a half grand on one. Mm. But the I never really got on with the Sterling ones that I tried out. Now, of course, we, you know, we've spoken about on this podcast a whole bunch of times about the Music Man Valentine, the James Valentine, mm-hmm. and how good the Sterling by Music Man version of that was so you know it, it shows that there, there obvi- obviously isn't but certainly at the time i was i felt that it, it just wasn't quite there yeah yeah well I, i'll get one one day i i maybe i should have a look around again I, now I tell you, i'm gonna do that well i tell you what i just went on their website because i'm like i don't even know what version they make now and they do make an hh um and now I want it. Um, they make an <laughs> they make an Albert Lee uh, HH in uh, Polar Night, which is basically like a kind of bluish. Well, it looks like a night sky, I guess, like a twilight night sky, but it's all sparkle, all black hardware with a uh, ebony fingerboard and a roasted maple neck, and it looks wow. absolutely superb so it's like an akume body so super lightweight uh custom demacio humbuckers five-way switching i'm like i had no idea this this color um existed and uh now i want it um (laughs) it's that i mean that does sound fantastic yeah sterling sterling have really limited it at the moment looks like the albert lee's only available in one finish at the moment which is daphne blue with a torque guard and it is an hh yeah Ah, uh, it's just, I don't know. I always feel like, I, I know, you know, we have said, and I, and I have said that, you know, they are very good, the Sterling ones, but you just look at the flame maple neck on some of those American ones, you're like, yeah, oh, just, uh, but the problem is, can't find them anywhere. No, <laughs> I, I know. This is what I hate <laughs> about Music Man, especially, especially in the UK, just impossible to get. They're just yeah. impossible to get. Um, in the colour and the finish you want. And we spoke about it before. It's like when we were at GAC and it's like, oh, have you got any John Petrucci Music Man to stock? It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, um, yeah, I've got, they want this, this and this. And it's like, oh, great. Uh, oh, but this one's also got the uh, like um, bullet inlays. Oh, no, I don't want it. It's like, it's just the inlays. No, I don't want it. Yeah. And it's just like, so you want me to custom order a different one? Um, that was, yeah, always the problem with Music Man is that you never had the right one. <laughs> Time has come on this week's podcast to hear some gear, so let's check out some of the complete guitar amplification and effect solutions available from Neural DSP and their plugins. We've teamed up with Neural DSP a bunch over the last year or two. Matt and I are big fans of what they do, and we'd like you to become part of that. So use discount code GUITARNERDS at NeuralDSP.com for 30% off, a whopping 30% off any of their plugins. Worth noting, you get a 14-day free trial with 
any of their plugins with no credit card required. So if you just want to see what all the fuss is about, you've got a whole two weeks on them uh, with any of their apps and effects. Now this week I'm checking out the Pliny plugin suite. Pliny is one of the most innovative and refreshing electric guitarists of our generation. His distinct sound combines an unusually wide variety of styles, progressive, fusion and metal, all with impressive fluency and elegance. Neural DSP uh, designed these plug-in amps a bit differently for Pliny. They engineered his dream amps and effects from the ground up to perfectly cover the vast dynamic uh, tonal range that his music requires. These amp designs were then obsessively modelled with extreme accuracy. The result is three refreshingly new amplifiers, a crystal clear clean, a tight and articulate rhythm amp, and a powerful and defined lead amp. Virtual amplifiers that are not only unique but can also excel in their styles. Here's a track I built using only presets. Presets from the Pliny Suite and a bit of synth in there and drums. Perfect for elegant soundscape tones, super cleans and some great 80s lead tones too. Check out for 30% off any of their amp and effects plugins. Yes, they just had a ridiculous catalogue. I mean, one of the cool things that Sterling's done, I'm just on their site at the moment, they've introduced three more colours for the Stingray Ray 34. Um, you know, normally they do a good job, as with any budget version of a brand, of doing the essential colours. So you get like that ash finish that you associate with the Music Man Stingray, a simple black and a sunburst. So they've kind of got all bases covered. They've just introduced blue sparkle, a purple sparkle and seafoam sparkle. Mm. And the blue sparkle and seafoam sparkle come with white a white humbucker, which is very cool. And the, the purple sparkle is like stealth, so you get black hardware and a black control plate and everything. So extremely cool. Oh, and a mahogany body. That is... Very nice. That is very cool. For a £1,000, that is very good. Yeah, I um, I was thinking, you know, as you always do, like, oh, if I, could, if I could afford to buy another guitar right now, what would I buy? And I'm just like, I keep coming back to Music Man. I keep going, yeah. Well, it's been your that you know the James Valentine probably your most loved guitar. Yeah, it's probably my most, most played guitar. Yeah, ever I think probably yeah. realistically, you know, I've had that guitar for five years now, and yeah. uh, that absolutely, you know, it's to me, it's the one. It's always yeah. it's always difficult when you've got like, uh, you know, this is going to sound you know terrible, but when you know when you've got loads of guitars and loads of gear and you keep picking up the same thing over and over again. No, tell me um, that. 
but I'm like, it, I, I do think they're the best guitars ever. And yeah. and honestly, that's, you know, I often think, oh, you know, there's a couple of um, guitars that, you know, I'd like to buy and a couple of like smaller custom brands that we, I keep seeing like Frank's guitars that we spoke about a few weeks ago. The I Frank Brothers. Yeah, the Frank Brothers. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh they're, they're so, so good. good. But I'm just like, everything has to compare to my Music Man neck. Yeah. Because ultimately it's the neck that makes it. And I'm like, if it's not the same, well, then... Well, I feel I feel that way about my Harmony Juno. You know, like, it's, it's the sort of guitar that either people are into the Juno or it kind of gets a little, a couple of knocks because people are like, oh, the body's so small, it looks like a kid's guitar or something like that. But but the neck is unbelievable. You know, you, you own well, one as well. You've got the white one, I've got the the rose one. It's, um, it's funny you say that because I... Um, so since uh, you kindly sent me the bass six, I've actually used all the guitar spaces in my rack and on my wall. And I was like, I could drill another hanger on the wall, but obviously if we're trying to sell the house uh, at some point, probably don't want to. Um, and quite often I take a guitar... Well, at the beginning of the year, we we lived at my parents for like a month. And I was like, I've got to take a, got to take a guitar with me. And... Um, it was the harmony and I left it there when we came back last time because we had loads of stuff with us. So when right. I went back uh, to my parents this weekend, it was there and I was like, right, needs a new set of strings, restrung everything. I think we talked about me not restringing anything yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. um, and I restrung it and I was like, playing it today going, yeah, again, out of the box, absolutely perfect. Absolutely it's perfect, great. I think. It's, it's a perfect guitar. Get a set of 12s on there. That, that's what you need. Yeah, I'm, I... Get- um, I, what do they come as standard? Can you remember? Oh, probably tens. I think it's tens. Yeah, but I, I can't tell the difference between tens and nines. They all feel very flimsy to well, me, especially if you're if you're a bass player and used to that sort of well, thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I was playing. I was playing it um, today, and I was like, you know what would go really well with this? Um, it's the um, silhouette. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know what goes really well you. with the Juno? The silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> I should lend you my harmony silhouette actually because I, I'm I, I think I've owned a few offset guitars but I, I guess I struggle to get excited about them in quite the same way as I do like single cuts or telly style guitars mm. you know I'm, I seem to gravitate to sort of Gretschy Gibsony things or single or tellys you know any any like that sort of style rather than anything else of course I had my point in time where I bought like four strats and I, I don't know what was happening then weird times but um, but yeah so so offsets or you know never too fast but when i got the silhouette it's just so good i mean it's just it sounds so good it looks great it looks cool it's kind of ironed out a lot of the creases that i find with jazz masters and jaguars it's mm. it's just a really great chic looking shape but also i must admit that it is it just sits on a like a rack of seven and when i'm shooting the reels for guitar nerds all the little pedal demos it tends to be the thing I pick up, like more than the Juno or more than the Grez, because the Juno and the Grez both bring a thing um, mm. with them. Like those P90s are so full-bodied on the Juno. There's a lot of low end. Um, yeah, and they've got a very specific sound. The Grez is obviously is hollow under the top. So, again, that has – it's very it's sort of clangy, the Grez, mm. and is – the perfect guitar for me i love it but if i'm trying to do a straight demo of something where i'm focusing on the thing not what i'm playing into the thing 
then actually what I need is something kind of neat that just works. And I just find this silhouette every time just nails it. Just no matter what I'm doing, mm. it could be it could be an HM2. It could be <laughs> an analog delay. Like, it just sounds good. Those mini humbuckers just sound good. They're great at being clean, but they're great at being driven as well. And and they deal great with, like, modern sounds or traditional sounds. It's, it's definitely the most versatile guitar I own. And I don't expect to be saying that about a guitar with two mini humbuckers. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think um, it's just... There's some. If you look past the, uh, you look look past the big brands. There's definitely some. Um, mm. There's some, there's some gems out there. There's a couple of videos I haven't watched, but I've seen a couple of people on the old YouTube recently talk a lot about why big brands aren't using um, big bands aren't using Gibson. Um, right. And I, I haven't really looked into it. So it's probably not something we can dive into deep now but yeah sure. loads of bands saying loads of people at festivals and stuff yeah aren't aren't playing gibson guitars well you know i will say on that i did i wanted to talk about strange forms and some of the bands i saw on that and we're going to talk about some other stuff first but from being at a two-day festival and also you know playing a couple of gigs before and it being the first time i guess in a little while that i've been at a festival surrounded by that many bands i kept tally of everything that i saw 99 <laughs> percent fender 99% Fender. Wow. Like, certainly on guitars. On bass, maybe there was a bit more variation. But um, but on guitars, almost everything that came on stage was a Fender, we, with a couple of exceptions. In fact, one of the only bands that, got, that weren't playing any Fenders were the slightly, um, oddly uh, chosen band for this festival, Pupil Slicer, who are a, a fantastic band, but... Um, they are uh, black metal, and it was slight, maybe slightly at odds. I felt with with the rest of the over complex sort of avant garde jazz math or <laughs> or the post rock and things like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it just it, it it was great. But they were playing ESP eclipses because, of course, when you're in metal, an ESP eclipse is like a bread and butter guitar for that thing. But everything else, pretty much was a Fender of some form. The, do- the the amount that that brand dominates now in sort of new guitarists and stuff. Mm. He, even talking to Claire from Mountain Caller about why she plays at Silverburst Telly when, you know, it's like this, she she was like, it's just because they're better than Gibson's. She was like, oh, I used to play a Les Paul, but she was like, I, I play this Telly because they're just better, aren't they? <laughs> they're just better made, which I'm not sure I agree with. You know, in fact, I don't agree with that. I love Gibson, but certainly it's undeniable that, yeah, that, you know, Fender are having a huge it's, impact at the moment yeah, on I touring think, bands. Um, Fender have worked really hard recently to put the guitar, their guitars in the hands of people that perhaps traditionally you wouldn't associate with. I, I guess right. they are leaning less on heritage where Gibson perhaps feel like they're leaning more on the legendary yeah. players and perhaps bringing less new people in. But then saying that, you know, what was it last year or the year before they bought, um, is it Lizzie Hale as the kind of yeah. um, brand ambassador, or one of the brand ambassadors? Um, I, I think maybe the thing Gibson is doing is leaning a little bit too much into hard rock at, at a time when I'm not sure that genre is expanding or popular <laughs> mm. you know whereas fender have managed to yeah i could see a doom band 
like you know a sort of no, they're not a doom band but like you know i could see a heavy rock doom band like mountain caller playing a telly just like i could see um a grunge band like no violet playing a, a jagstang you know just like well you know i'm i think um a great example um was a couple of years ago just pre-pandemic when their new record came out baroness you know yeah. went from uh i can't remember what they were playing before um but now moving to a telly and a jazz master you know for right. what is traditionally right. like really quite heavy yeah you know, you think the jazz master is the last thing i expect to see on you know anything that's not sort of jangly cure inspired indie yeah i mean um before he left i can't remember the other name name of the guitarist that left but he was always playing a 70s les paul or a les paul custom yeah. And yeah, seems perfect for that band. <laughs> John Dybasdy was playing. I can't remember what the brand is now. Now he's playing Bad Cat Amps for a while. I can't remember the brand. But yeah, and then they came out playing Fenders, and I'm like, totally, totally different vibe, you yeah. know. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think Fender have worked really hard to tell people of all styles to to give a give a fender a go in a way where gibson have, yeah, have yeah. stuck to their guns and, and focused on what made gibson gibson that's no right or wrong but um i think yeah you no, no it's, it's clear to see which approach is having the most effect at the moment mm, yeah yeah absolutely uh, but i also think there's just a rise in boutique stuff now more than ever you know sure, i think sure, certainly the, the stuff that you have access to now you have the internet and cust- i mean look at trent guitars you know we started talking about them you know what last year you know and they'd put like yeah i think it's their first press announcement and then you know following uh elliot and that on instagram and he's ordering like 20 30 cases at a time you know yeah, his order's just gone through the roof and it's just because you can put your brand out there and you can market it and you can make it like you say you can ship it all around the world and yeah, um yeah. it kind of gets your guitars in the hands of lots of other people well that's right even you know when we look at fidelity guitars oh, I, think, yeah, I think about the first the first one guitar that matt oram sent us was very much a sort of uh man makes guitar you know sort of one at a time like a uk one-off builder and the guitar was rough around the edges because of that it had that sort of one man builder vibe to it you think now he's got signature models with the horrors and with public service broadcasting and is you know has at all times a ridiculously long you know backlog of guitars that he's that he's building because <laughs> yeah. yeah i was talking to the other day and i was you know i was like how's things and he was like great i really need to employ someone else you know <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> um which is a great thing but yeah you're absolutely right it's because the internet and you know making custom ordering easy to do via a form <laughs> and also bringing down the price of it as you know i think you know trent have done the same quite a few brands you know lt custom did the same made an affordable model um it's it it's making it something custom accessible to people who you know don't want to spend four grand on a custom shop but would love to get to choose their own dream setup yeah absolutely and uh you know as long as it looks good on instagram that's the main thing <laughs> exactly that is the main thing now coming back to this gig uh that you went to see the um the the source full of secrets show you put something on our on our document for today's chatter 
about an amp that you want. I'm wondering if it's inspired by that show. There's a new amp head that you're on the lookout for, right? Well, the the first thing was that, um, you know, being very traditional, like we spoke about with Guy Pratt's bass rig, um, both Lee and, well, Lee Harris in the band is using high tone and Gary Kemp is using high watt. And uh, I've been trying to do a bit of research while we've been talking um, because I don't know much of the history and I certainly don't want to get anything wrong, but it seems like high watt brand, as we all know, late 60s, um, seems like they were actually the early ones with a sound city. Then they came into high watt uh, until 1981, um, where I think tragically the guy who um, was the original engineer, Dave Reeves, died and then the brand got taken over because everything i was looking at i was like it's in canada but apparently they're owned by some sort of canadian investment thing um and it, but yeah. high tone is um is the original son uh, or the son of the original owner plus a couple of others and i think they're built between the uk and america again just oh. very much the kind of focus of you know amazing wiring and high quality and i think the thing is i've always loved about high watts again just very loud very open loads of headroom super clear takes pedals really well obviously the classic uh dave uh gilmore thing um you know he's used them for years that high tone even make the dg series um and i was like yeah just these high tone amps just look absolutely amazing they do a little 30 watt one um which is uh which is very cool the lead series is based off a one-off dr101 dr103 which i think is what dave gilmore had we had an original 70s one in the shop at some point uh sold it to a guy who played i think we spoke about this before but friend of the podcast sparky rogers excellent drummer um he plays in the band called enos for a while and uh oh, i love that band. yeah so good so good a dear listener if you if you're into like big doomy sludginess yeah there, uh, pro- uh, well, if you just want to hear an exercise in tone yeah you know, exactly that, that band, and uh, a concept a concept band about a monkey that goes to space um and both their records are absolutely fantastic but yeah we i sold chris who's the lead guitarist a 70s dr103 uh, he's also into Gilmore and, and Floyd. And when it came in, I was like, you have to buy this because it, it's uh, <laughs> totally the totally thing for you. I don't know if he still has it. Should probably drop him a line at some point. Um, but I just thought they sounded good. They're just a great pedal platform. They're super loud. They're super open. They've got a great character to them, but they take pedals uh, really well. And, you know, kind of in, in some ways, no complicated setups. Guitar, pedal board into one amp, one four by 12 with a mic you know no stereo no wet dry just kind of a classic i guess you would say 60s early 70s kind of vibe and it just it sounded right it sounded good um and then you know leading on from that kind of a similar vibe simple and easy to use joe we should probably talk about this orange Marcus King, the MK yes, Ultra. Yes, okay. Yeah. Now this is yeah. Let's we'll talk about this. This will probably be the last thing we talk about on the podcast. Then we'll talk about strange forms and some of the gear I saw on the Patreon episode. This so this Marcus, this orange Marcus King MK Ultra amp by Orange. If I'm honest, I didn't know the fella, and I sort of saw the amp, and I was like, 
by the way, the guy dresses, I'm not sure I'm going to be into this music. And I was like, nah, whatever. And just scrolled past the article. And you've come on the, it came on the uh, the chat just before this. And, and we're like, you, you, you have to talk about this. Look at this app. I've actually taken a look at it. And it is, as you said before we recorded, the ultimate guitar nerds orange amplifier. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you, if well, I mean, it's called the MK Ultra. So I hope that instead of Marcus King, um, they were really thinking <laughs> Matt Knight when uh, they designed this. <laughs> because, you know, anyone who's listened to the podcast long enough know, knows that we like them um, simple and easy to use and they take pedals really well. And it's exactly kind of what this is. Um, so yeah. I don't, I don't really know much about Marcus King, um, kind of guitar player, plays an SG great sound uh, i think he's uh been award uh, or nominated uh for a couple of grammys um but effectively this is a single channel 30 watt orange amp we've got three controls volume deep and sing deep being a low end yes. and sing being your top end I love it. I love the layout of the controls as well. Like one big volume knob, bang in the middle of the amp, and then the two EQ controls to either side of it, both on smaller buttons. So unusual layout, but also just looks beautiful on that sort of big white orange panel that they run on the front mm. with just such minimal controls. Really well, good. What's what's interesting is the um well, there's one thing we should say first is that what also makes this special is that it's the first orange amp to be designed um with orange usa and built in the usa um that using all american landmark yeah i mean that's i didn't really even know there was an orange usa um i assumed they had some sort of distribution out there but yeah an or orange usa so um they're saying all hand wired 30 watt all valve guitar amplifier represents the marriage of classic american and british sounds because this has uh two 6l6s uh, which i think probably gives it a bit more of that american vibe uh rather than i, I guess el34s which are probably more uh yeah what you orangey. orangey yes um but what's interesting about this kind of custom designed tone control is that the um, EQ circuit, the EQ controls uh, in different parts of the circuit are totally independent and they specifically tailor frequencies that were voiced for Marcus King. So they're not just like, oh, we're going to do the low end and the top end. They're, they're hitting specific right. frequencies. Um, oh, so they're saying the sync control... Um, can be described as a variation input bright control, so bringing you the tone you need for the atmosphere that you're playing in. And then bass control or deep, uh, think of it more of it like an overall thickening to the sound. So start with it all the way down, and then after finding the volume and sing levels, you increase the deep control until you find oh, the thickness. I love this. I know. I love this idea. They're kind of making tone accessible because the thing is, if you don't know how to use your three band or five band or seven band EQ for the instrument you have, and you can make lots of mistakes or maybe not get the best out of the amplifier because who knows where those things are. There are so many possibilities with EQs of where to place things. Making it simple but specific, not just a general bass and treble control. Mm. That's very cool. I'm into this as a concept, and I love the way they've described it. So you set the volume, you set the sing, and then you add the deep in as the last thing to appropriately thicken your tone based on what you want, obviously, and the guitar that you're playing, the type of guitar, the type of pickups yeah, that you're playing. Indeed. Through. So um, 
I'm into this. I'm into this. I've seen some reports that say it's limited edition. Um, right. It does seem to be available for pre-order in the UK. Um, it's n- what sort of price is it going for? Well, I was going to say it looks like two four nine nine, which isn't cheap. But considering oh. it's hand wired, um, hand wired, I'm guessing in the US because uh, they say made in the US. Um, I, you know, not surprised. You know, custom transformers and everything. Um, but I think this is the. I think this is one of the modern orange amps to buy if you want something with some value in um the not so distant future i i think these really? yeah I, right. you're gonna pip you're pipping this one to I be a so. to be a lasting i think so um yeah I, I think it's gonna be one of those you know sort of all hand wired you know certainly the first limited edition first one to be built in the usa you know will it open yeah. up for more built in the usa don't know. Could that do. is exciting. I mean, I'd love to see some stuff coming. And it, wouldn't it be great if the stuff that cu- comes out of the US for Orange is like this is six L sixty. So almost Orange gets an Orange America sound, mm. and we also have like an Orange Britain sound. I, I think that would be really cool. It'd be interesting to see the company expand in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm super keen. I think unfortunately it's going to be one of those things where probably not going to get a chance to try it <laughs> uh or hear it apart from uh, apart from from videos but i would yeah i'd be super keen if i had the money i'd i'd be super tempted i reckon this is going to be a great uh pedal platform i reckon it's going to be uh great for just plugging a booster in and cranking um yeah i think it's going to be an all-round winner for me mm. Yes, absolutely. A very cool amplifier. Now, that is all the time we have, dear listener, on this week's episode of Guitar Nerds. So come and join us over on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You get an entire blah, 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 an entire extra episode free every week. Not free. Where, where, where am I going? You get an entire extra episode every week and you can become a Patreon supporter from a dollar a month the dollar tier gets you this episode ad free and early five dollars gets you access to the special episodes plus our entire back catalogue of episodes and mini series ten dollars gets you the lot plus i'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode now on this week's patreon we're going to go and talk about my horrific night worst nightmare set at Strange Forms Festival uh, a tip, on the a weekend. Typical, a typical, uh, oh. typical polymath gig where it all goes oh. wrong and it all goes wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. There was, uh, yes. So we're going to go and talk about that now. But uh, you can find us, dear listener, on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nets group on Facebook. Get involved in our weekly episode discussion there. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nets. Farewell. Yes, 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 yes,
Fryer, Barry Grisby, Steve Davison, Daniel Walker, Ben Harder, and Prover Simpson, Holly Simpson, and Eric Vaughn, Tom Conway, Paul Drew, Russell Healing, Yugi the Guitarist, Diana, Carl Harris, Joe Hopper, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Nanny Hoffler, Eric Hammer, Jeffy Wax, Shane, and Brian Heinzler, Gavin Mandel, Lyndon Marcus, Alcano Wacky, Stuart Robson, Christian Nunhansen, Keith Adams, Eric File, Peter Pitt, Scott Hutting, Jack Cobber, Andy Manis, Anandir, Ken Sayer, Joe Putty, Blake, Wyler, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, John Anglin, Aaron Sherman, James Dorr, Raymond Dunner, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Bernardi, Steve McAvey, Matthews, Christopher Lowe, and Stephen Mark, Robert Smith, Dino B, and the man, J.D. Shaw, Danny McKenzie, Matt Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Norbert, Scott O'Brien, and Boog, Boog, Gravita, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.